Hello and welcome to Score Vision Advantage, a podcast where we share the latest happenings in sports tech and fan engagement. I'm your host, Ashley Peterson, Marketing Director here at ScoreVision. In today's episode, we have returning guest, Charlie Megan, co-founder and president of Scoreboard Media, and ScoreVision's very own Amelia Stoll, leading sales director of the Midwest and Great Lakes region. In this episode, we discuss navigating your local landscape and building relationships with the businesses surrounding you, plus how to evaluate the needs of your school and your sponsors. Enjoy today's show. How is everyone today? Good. Good morning. Good morning. Fantastic. All right. So first things first, we'll do what we always do best here and reintroduce our guest so that everybody knows who is with us today. Amelia, we'll start with you. Amelia Stoll. I'm a regional sales director and I cover the Great Lakes. Perfect. Charlie? I'm Charlie Megan. I'm with Scoreboard Media. I'm the president and co-founder. We specialize in working with high schools on their scoreboards and connecting them with uh, brands that might want to sponsor them. Awesome. So I know that this episode is coming out as a segue to the first episode. So I will say if you didn't listen to that first episode, you should go back and listen to it because we tap a little bit more into what ScoreVision and what Scoreboard Media is. Um, Today, we're going to be touching a little bit more on just the process of getting the partnership started between your school and our entities um, and kind of navigating what that looks like from a sponsorship and advertising perspective. So I think the first thing we should talk about is um, just in general, how do how does a school decide when it's time for them to get ready to update or upgrade their scoreboards um, and how how do they get started with that process? Like, what does that all entail? Because I feel like it could be a very daunting task. I think when a school will see another school that has LED system, a score vision system, I think that kind of makes a light bulb go off um, unless their scoreboard is broke or breaking. So those are usually two triggers for somebody to think, oh, maybe we should do an update. And if they're doing their you know, their due diligence, they're looking to see what everybody else is doing in the market. And when schools are doing updates, they're going to LED. So the first is just decide whether you need the update. And then the second is to start doing your research. And um, that's where we come in. What what are those factors that they should be considering when they're selecting an LED provider? And I mean, it's different for us too, right? Because we're software. So like you can really select any LED and we're more than likely going to be able to work with you. But there are so many options on the market for LED. Do you have any advice for people who are looking into that? I, for one, I would think of the company that's supplying the LED for you. So um, one of our partners, <clears throat> which uh, Digital Scoreboards, they have a great warranty on their LED, and they have um, a really great um, service agreement with that too. So if you're looking for that, you know that should be your number one stop um, would be for Digital Scoreboards. Then you're also going to look at what the industry is doing for a pixel pitch right now. So outdoor, if you're going to want to be doing 10 millimeter um, at a minimum for your outdoor LED, and indoor is going to be four millimeter or less. If somebody's trying to push you six millimeter or for indoor or outdoor 13 or 16, they're just trying to get rid of product um, because it's out of date. So yeah. 10 and three, I mean, 10 and four is what you should be looking for. Definitely good advice because I know that um, if you're a non-tech person, pixel pitch is going to affect how far away you are from the board and what that board actually looks like. So if you've ever seen a really crappy LED, 
or you're like, oh my God, did that thing come out of the early 2000s? It's probably a very high pixel pitch. Correct. Um, first, like if you're sitting in an indoor stadium and you're looking up at like a pro pro stadium or whatever, and you're looking up on the big, big scoreboard, it's probably a pretty defined pixel pitch it for is. you to be able to get a good image. Um, okay, so kind of segueing off of that because you brought up digital scoreboards, that's how we got in touch with Charlie. So Charlie, can you kind of tell us a little bit about what's the first step in kind of getting you involved as far as um, making the selection once we've purchased an LED or even prior because sometimes it, it varies based off of what what you're willing to do. Are, yeah, and what will and where we can add value. So. I mean, we get involved in for a handful of reasons. Um, number one, I guess a school would have to determine if they want to offer sponsorships, right? If they want to have advertising, some schools don't. Some schools, are, you know, either have they might have it in their, um, you know, policies, written policies that they won't display advertising. So, that, you know, we can't do anything in those in those situations. If they're open to the idea of sponsorships, and I would argue that sponsorships aren't a nuisance or like. A, they're not a bug, they're a feature. If you do it properly, they add a lot to the experience. And, and of course, if tastefully done, and you know, I'm sure we'll touch on that, but you know, we're really adept at working with schools, so it's always tastefully done. Um, but if, if you select the right sponsors and they're creative with their content, it should add a lot to the experience, both for the schools, the athletes, the students, and then also the fans. So, um, so anyways, the, that would the first thing is being open to sponsorships and advertising. The second thing is the money. If if they have a you know huge endowment and or a lot of money, or they've done a bond offering and they've got the money and they want to buy it themselves, then um, they should. And and we can either not participate or we can participate only on a marketing basis. So uh, we do that as well. And then the sort of the next extension of that is if they don't have the funds or they have the funds, but they earmark them for something else or just want to use them for something else, we'll, we can get involved to buy the equipment, in which case, you know, we buy the equipment and then we manage the sponsorship program as a means to repay ourselves and ultimately create an income stream for the school as well. So those are kind of the uh, you know, that's sort of the spectrum of ways that we can get involved and add value. And if we can't add value on really either of those things, either sponsorships or f money, then, you know, it's probably not a fit, but we're still happy to have the conversation and, you know, and, give, you know, give us our two cents or maybe advise on how we might go about it. Yeah. How do you kind of evaluate what their needs are as far as setting kind of the bar for, like, let's say I'm a school and I know that I need to raise X amount of dollars. How do I decide where that benchmark is and how do I kind of go back and like reevaluate where I'm at in understanding what I can and cannot do? Yeah, sure. So zooming out for a second, we don't tell schools what they should do in the way of equipment, right? In fact, we will tell we if we could afford it and by afford it, I mean, through sponsorships, um, they can have it. So I don't ever tell a football coach what size board he ought to have uh, or she ought to have or, you know, or we don't we just don't get involved in the equipment side. We rely on our partners at ScoreVision or digital scoreboards or, you know, whomever, uh, because that's their I mean, that's their expertise, particularly on the hardware side. They know based on the size of the stadium and the angles and all these other things, what the pixel pitch ought to be. I agree with Amelia in terms of, you know, low pixel pitch um, ratios. But but beyond that, we don't get involved, except when it comes time to write the check. So if you spend, you know, half a million dollars on a on a stadium board, let's say, I mean, our goal and our and the school's goal and my 
unsolicited opinion would be to get your money back in three years, right? It, it shouldn't, if it takes longer than that, I'd, I'd argue you're probably spending too much and there's sort of a better use of funds. Um, if you can get it back quicker than that, great. I mean, you, then I guess you could make the argument, do you just want to get it back quicker than that or do you want to buy a more expensive board? Because I would say that's kind of my affordability rule of thumb, both internally and, you know, what I would advise a school. So um, that's how we look at it. So to do that, uh, the simple math, let's say you're going to spend $450,000 on a stadium board, that would be expensive. Uh, that would be the higher end of, you know, what I have seen and, and would sort of be comfortable with. Uh, although it varies. There are some schools, you know, in Texas, for example, that put 20,000 people into, yeah, a, into a football game. They're like game. college-sized stadiums. Yeah, there. you can do a lot with that. And we are, in fact. Um, so that's that's... But those are sort of exceptions, not you know, to the rule rather than the rule. So, but generally speaking, um, if you were going to spend, let's just say for more realistic math, three hundred thousand dollars on a stadium board or you know on your football board, um, then you should expect to do a hundred thousand dollars a year in sponsorships. And we would look at that and say, we think we can do that based on our assessment of the market, or we think that that's too ambitious, and we would suggest dialing that back. Or we're just not if it's our money, you know, maybe we're just not comfortable with that. But again, a lot of that, and I'm maybe going further than the question here, but a lot of that depends on what will your local market bear. Mm -hmm. Some, and it's not based on the size of the town. Really, sometimes it's almost inversely correlated. But uh, some small towns really turn out for their schools and their teams, and you can do an incredible amount of sponsorship revenue. They really punch above their weight class, and then like a big city, for example might not draw nearly as much uh, interest and attention to any individual high school where it's a really competitive media market. You know, the local area might not have any real affiliation to their high school or any attachment to it. So it varies, but we would dig in and do like a market assessment in each case and sort of determine what we think is a reasonable sponsorship raise and then advise, you know, or at least give a, a thumbs up or thumbs down on whether that package is affordable based on that. Yeah, I think that's really great that you touched on that, too, because I do think that, I mean, that's one of the biggest value adds of scoreboard media. And from an, from a partnership perspective for us is even just knowing that our ADs don't necessarily have to worry about navigating those tricky markets, depending on where you are. Um, and I also like that you guys start with developing relationships first with the AD and saying like, okay, get all your coaches involved. Who do you know? Write those names down. And if you don't know them personally where you can't make an introduction, then don't write them down. But if you can and you're willing, write them down. And that gives us a starting point. Can you kind of dive maybe into, I, there's so many other things I'm going to want to talk about during this episode, I can already tell you. But, um, and so we'll, we'll probably have to circle back. But I do want to know like outside of just evaluating, I know you guys are able to evaluate where the market is. But is there are there certain types or certain criteria that you try to hit with your sponsors as far as, you know, like what sector they're in or who you think is more willing to provide or show up? Yeah, sure. I could tell you based on our projects across the country. I mean, if I took all of our sponsorship contracts and lined them up on a table, 
and they'd fall into basically 20 piles, almost certainly. And really 80% of them would probably fall into six or seven piles. And so that would be banks and credit unions, healthcare, hospital systems, hospitals, um, you know, doctor practices, uh, home services. So that's plumbing, roofing, siding, um, windows, you get the idea. Uh, car dealers are a big one. And so you could. we know what those are. And so we can look within the radius of any given school and tell you, if you know how likely i mean how many businesses are in that um are in those spaces and uh, to some degree it's a matter of math but but then you know to on the other the other side of the coin is it's not necessarily a matter of math sometimes it's a matter of how um supportive those businesses will be of that high school that's probably more to the fact i mean i guess if you looked at downtown chicago you'd have a thousand of those businesses in small uh, you know within a tight radius of the school but probably with no affiliation to the school and and that would be a tougher raise as opposed to you know i'm thinking of a school that we have in in rural kansas where that radius probably has to get much bigger because it's much less densely populated but the businesses care about the school and are very supportive of it. And that's what everybody does on game night. On Friday nights, everybody is there. So It's that relationship factor. Yeah. And, and it's like there's an emotional connection, which is sort of at the heart of this whole thing. There's an emotional connection between businesses and the community and the school. And to the degree that there that, that connection is present and that that, uh, you know, that that emotional sort of connection is is there these are more successful and if it's just a media play and we're competing with billboards and radio and everything else that's a much longer sales process and and a much heavier lift yeah that makes sense yeah i think one of the things that um communities are realizing and 80s are having to think about when they're going whether they're going to do sponsorships or not right is for one when they would do sponsorships previously it felt more like a donation right and they're doing static signage that's how it used to be right you'd have a scoreboard and underneath of it would have, I don't know, like ABC roofing or something underneath of it. So now you can switch it and now that could be the same company, ABC roofing, instead of having their logo, it's, it's an animation, right? It's an actual commercial. It has, you know, graphics to it. So it's more eye catching and they're going to be able to target that audience. That's advertising. So it's not more of a donation. Now we're doing sponsorship and advertising, which is a win for the for the actual company, right? And it's also a win for the school. So it's kind of switching the mindset from donation sponsorship to sponsorship advertising. And that's where it's really a win-win for both for the school, for scoreboard media, and for the community. And yeah. going a step further, I mean, ABC Roofing could do put a QR code up there and and then in that sense, you know, in that way measure response rates and get an idea of how many inquiries are they getting. Um, they could do a promotion at halftime, right, where they uh, do a T-shirt giveaway or, um, you know, they could do a vendor table outside, uh, you know, outside in the, in the area before a basketball game. I mean, th- so it's not just limited to sort of signage either. I mean, but what I would and what we always stress with our sponsors is the ability to generate ROI. If, if you're doing this as a donation, we'll take it, but I bet you this will be the f- first and last, right? We, what I would much rather see is do a sponsorship with us and let's see you get five or 10 X back on that, on that investment. And then I think you'll keep coming back forever because you do, the school loves you. The community will, will like you, but look, we're all in business to make money. So if you're not making money out of it, it'll be you know, it'll be shorter lived and, and I'd much rather see it go on forever. Yeah, I think that's a that's a very good point, because I do. I think that sometimes we we miss that when it comes to digital signage, like people just think, 
oh, that that sponsorship is up there. And, and we're so used to it being from a donor perspective. And so people almost kind of like accidentally use the wrong term when they're discussing or describing it. And it's like, no, 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 you're not out looking for donors. You're out looking for sponsors and advertisers. And those two things in themselves are completely different from one another. And so like breaking that down, but the nice thing is, is like as an AD, you have the resources now to not have to navigate that yourself if you don't want to. And just finding those people. I mean, yes, you're going to have input, right, on who that sponsor or that advertiser is, but you can take it to the next level. I mean, there's so much. The minute you get digital signage in your schools, it's a complete game changer because of everything you can do even outside of just what's on the scoreboard. But having more community events that are centered around different businesses, facilitating conversation amongst other people in the community, that's a huge thing. Um, but I do I do want to touch a little bit more on just in general how much input do schools actually have when it comes to selecting their sponsors if they're working with somebody like Scoreboard Media? Yeah, I'm glad. You, I mean, that's probably the first uh, question or the most popular question we get. And so I would just tell you, they get entire discretion on that. So uh, there's all, there's three levels of sort of protection here. The first is on the face of our contract. I mean, all of the usual suspects are on there, right? We avoid politics, um, you know, any sort of controversial issues, adult entertainment, alcohol, uh, tobacco, vaping, you know, the, the obvious ones. So um, then the second one is we can write in any names that they, any names or any verticals that they don't want. So maybe they have a close relationship with a hospital and they don't want to advertise for another hospital They're, or they bank in a, or, you know, a certain bank in town finance their stadium. And so we can't work with another bank. So those are easy. You just spell those out up front. But the third thing and sort of the catch all is if, if something were to go up on the board that they didn't like, it's the beauty of digital. We could have it down in 30 seconds. Yeah. Having said that, they know the contracts that we get as we get them. So there's, I've never had like, I've never had a surprise. Like nobody goes, I didn't know that was going to be up there. That's got to come down. But I guess the biggest catch all is we're pretty good at this. We don't put something up there that shouldn't be up there. This is our bread and butter. We're not, you know, we won't make the mistake of putting something up there that we think is borderline. Never had it happen. Um, and and frankly, brands don't want it either. Brands don't want any blowback from their ad. That's right. That's like a negative <laughs> ROI, right? That's it, how people get canceled real fast. People get canceled. People <laughs> get fired. It's like it's not. They don't want that. In fact, if, if my experience in the billboard business with alcohol was in Chicago, we used to think that. Uh, the ordinance stipulated where alcohol brands could advertise in relation to schools. But after reading the ordinance, I realized they don't. There's no nothing in the ordinance that says that you can't put alcohol near a school. But the brands would kill you if you if you mistakenly presented something to them that was within 500 feet of a school. That is a major black eye. And so uh, so the brands are much more sort of conservative or protective of their own brand than any rule that we would come up with. And but. You know, the overall is that high schools are our bread and butter. We won't make any mistake in that department. And and then the beauty of digital is that you you can tell your board, you can tell, you know, your superintendent that um, you're not giving up any control here. If something goes up and you don't like it, it comes down. Yeah. yeah speaking of superintendents, too, I'm um, in meetings a lot with superintendents, you know, talking about the score vision in the industry, where it's going. And one of their concerns that they have is, you know, the stadium or a gym is just a very large classroom, right? And a lot of times they don't want it to look like they're in a casino with all this, you know, glitter and glitz and all of that during the school, right? They, when it's a scoreboard, it's a scoreboard. When you're going to use it for multi-use, is there going to be advertising on that? And 
I mean, it's not. When the scoreboard is off, when score vision is off, I mean, it's off, right? And then when you're using it for multi-use, there's not advertising. Like, nothing that Charlie and scoreboard meeting are selling is just going through and trying to sell to, you know, seventh graders or, you know, freshmen while they're in the <laughs> PE class, right? At that point in time, it moves to multi-use. And so it's really the, the best of both worlds. You're having that piece where you get to let the community you know, talk to the community with their sponsorships. And then you also get to use it for, you know, the multi-purpose and the educational use as well. And yeah, there's mean, not a whole lot of things that schools can buy that you get both of that. And that's what Score Vision and LED does. Yeah, the versatility to be able to choose what you want out of the system is probably one of its best benefits, right? Like you're able to decide, okay, this is what the use is for this case. And so like, we're going to display this certain thing. Or, no, we don't want to do that, and you get a say in that. Or if you don't want to say and you just don't want to have to worry about it, you also have that option, too. Yeah, yeah. Like, you really get the best of both worlds with that. Um, I am curious, too, Charlie. I, I've never actually asked you this before. So if you okay. don't want to answer, you don't have to. But I want to know, how often are you communicating with ADs and superintendents that are your clients? Oh, yeah. No, that's an easy one. I mean, it varies a little bit. Some want more communication. Others want less. I'd say in the early weeks and months, I mean, at least weekly, um, just to communicate what sponsors we're signing up, how, you know, how it, how it's going, the timeline. I mean, you know, this if it's before we purchase the equipment, then certainly more often. It, but it's, at some point, I mean, the beauty of these is you once you do, it's like pedaling in the big gear. It's hard at first. And then you're cruising. And so once you're, you know, once we're a few months into this and we've done a lot of the of the sponsorship raise, then there's not as much uh, to do there. And so, you know, they, they don't probably don't want to hear from us all that often. And there's not that much to talk about. I mean, and generally like the superintendent or AD, you know, I, we, this might, a lot of this might be not, you know, at their level, we might be communicating with person who runs, um, you know, generally there's like a faculty member who works with students that are involved in this, creating graphic assets and things like that. We might be in touch with those people more often to, uh, you know, with to update artwork or whatnot. Um, so, like a superintendent, it's not uh, communicating with us is not a regular, uh, you know, item on his to do list. So you're not going to be hassled like crazy yeah. to like figure stuff out. Like you can you can be as hands on or as hands off as you really want to be. Yep. I would say where it really works well, though, is if we're talking, you know, every so often, say every couple of weeks or every month, just to say, here's who we signed up. Are there? And, and they might reach out and say, hey, so-and-so parent reached out because they own a plumbing business and they would like to be on the board. Would you give them a call? Um, so, you know, healthy communication, but not, uh, I mean, this isn't another job for them. Um, I'm curious too, Amelia, I know that there has been a local school that they raised the funds really fast for through their advertising and i it ended up paying for their scoreboards in the long run and then they ended up being able to continue to generate revenue after that that then went back into their academics and athletics um can you remember do you remember who that was um there's a, there's a lot of them actually <laughs> so that story happens uh, happens often so it's not that schools are really struggling to raise money within the advertising piece i mean they they do and exactly why you know charlie is successful in selling it as well is because it's very powerful and impactful but it happens a lot so they'll do a project right and now it's paid off and it's generating revenue and so now we can do another project and it it does it happens very often it happens very often and it doesn't take very long 
I mean, Charlie, I think had mentioned, you know, kind of having a rule of thumb of three years or less, and you're generating revenue after that. Some schools, it's within two years. Some schools, it might be four years. But um, I would say the average is three years or less. And if you're already making money, then you're it is going back into the um, the department, into the school, and they choose to do a, another project, then they're just generating more money. And that's as much a, much a function of the cost of the equipment as it is the success of the sponsorship yeah. raise. I mean, you can spend a lot of money on hardware, and then, of course, it takes longer. Um, or, you know, like my favorite package to do if you just want to put your toe in the water is an indoor-only package because you get – a lot of games, right? You get volleyball, basketball, lots wrestling, of lots of impressions, and it's generally a lot less expensive, right? We can do a big board on, well, they're both big boards, but you can do two boards inside and let's just call it $150,000. And it's a world-class package. So now per the three-year rule, you only have to do 50000 a year in sponsorships. That's a pretty manageable lift. And you, we, everybody should fully expect to get, recoup their investment in three years on that as opposed to a $450,000 or $500,000 board outside, which might only have five or six football games, and and hopefully there's soccer there too, and hopefully there's track, but um, much fewer uh, events and, and much more higher ticket price. So, you know, that can be a heavier lift and might take longer. Yeah, that goes back to we were talking about, you know, what um, what schools need to do and kind of what you look for in schools and I would say, because there's, you know, probably going to be smaller schools and larger schools listening to this. And, I would, you know, smaller schools, they're doing that 50,000. And when I'm saying smaller schools, I'm saying like 125, 150 students. You know, that's a very small school. And they're doing that $50,000 a year. So just because you're small, don't think that you can't do this because it happens a lot. Just give me a call. I can walk you through that. <laughs> um, and then you have the large schools that are also doing that and even doing more. I had a school in uh, Ohio that does, they did $650,000 their first year on advertising in their indoor facility. So that's crazy. It it happens. There's both extremes, but the bottom extreme, $50,000 a year, I would make you ask the question, how much are you doing right now in advertising? And I'm guessing 50,000 is a lot more than that. Yeah. I mean, if you just break $50,000 sounds like a lot of money and, and it is, but if you think that you know, let's say we sell five, there's probably four tiers, but let's just say on average, they're $5,000 a piece for a sponsor. You only need 10 sponsors and it, and that sponsor has to spend $5,000 a year, which again, if it's a donation, sounds like a lot. But if you compare that to a media buy, I mean, in most places, you know, a billboard, you can't buy a billboard for less than a couple thousand dollars a month. So now you're talking $24,000 a year for a single billboard. So for $5,000 to be digital and to be, I mean, again, it's not just about the impressions. It's about the quality of the impressions. You are Mm -hmm. in the fabric of the community and you are supporting people's most precious connection, which is their children. So there's an emotional connection there that, that, in my opinion, should make this 10 times more valuable, not one tenth as expensive. And people aren't watching, I mean, I guess I should say this, I'm not watching mainstream media anymore, right? I'm watching, you know, Netflix or whatever, which is not have, doesn't have any advertising or, you know, you're going to be scrolling through social media and that's where you see your advertising. And that's just going to be more and more and more those who are advertising in the schools that have this capability to show what their, you know, what their business is doing is going to be so much more impactful. But then also... It just is giving you the opportunity that you really don't have anywhere else. Right. It's like an easy kickstart to be able to get started with digital signage and being able to incorporate your advertisers and your sponsors there. But like 
don't forget there are other options for raising money within your school. I mean, whether you're hosting a movie night or you're doing something around those lines where you're, you know, having a craft fair or whatever, you can do other things that can be sponsor related where you're involving them. And you can even post your sponsors through your captured highlights on social media and anything else that you do. I'm glad you mentioned that, though. The ability to use these for raising money for the school beyond sponsorships is really important and and not something that we, you know, we'll manage the sponsorship program, but I would always encourage the schools to use these to raise money beyond that. So like a 50-50 raffle, a lot of schools are familiar with that. I would run a 50-50 raffle every time that board is on and there are people in the gym. You can run a 50-50 raffle and there's an app that you can do it through and it puts a QR code up on the board and now you have people engaging with their phones on the board and paying attention to sponsors and you know what's going on on the board at, at an, another level. And, and they're m- much more likely to engage and give because of the interactivity there than they would be if they are dropping, you know, 20 bucks into a can. And so that's an easy one or, you know, promote the bake sale, promote a car wash. And if you can't be at the car wash or you don't want us touching your car, give five bucks, you know, (laughs) on this, using this QR code. I mean, the movie watch party that you mentioned is a no brainer or a big game watch party. You know, um, there's a thousand ways to use it, and we should probably do a podcast just on <laughs> yeah, that. We at definitely some point, should. All these ways to raise money, but those are non-sponsorship related, and an entirely, you know, 100% of that revenue goes to the school. Yeah, I think those are both uh, really great instances of how schools can use it, and they have been using it that way. If if you've had Score Vision, I know there's a ton of people. I mean, there are so many different things you could use it for, really. And opening up the floodgates of that is just one drop in the bucket. Um, do you consult on the goals and objectives regarding how much revenue they should generate for the ads post once they've seen a return on their investment? So like at what point is there like a reevaluation? Like let's say I'm a school and I generated all this money and I'm sitting there and I've now surpassed my, my benchmark for paying for the scoreboards and then my school has a different project that they're thinking about, whether it's like maybe facilities, like we're going to do an upgrade just in general in the renovation of our school um, or an academic program that we want to launch. Can they put that money? You may not even know this. Can they put that money to that? Sure. I mean, I don't tell them what they can do with their cut of it. I mean, they can, um, they can put it back into athletics. I'd say more often than not, I see them using it. Like I can think of a school we have in Pennsylvania that it's, actually used for academic purposes and that's one of their that's one of the things they want us to highlight with sponsors is that this is not you're not just giving to the this is not like giving to the football booster club or something that this money gets uh, rolled back into the educational fund and goes to pay teachers and so that is very important in their messaging but generally speaking they can use that for you know whatever they want for our part our job is just to keep the hammer down. So I would, uh, if, if after three years everybody's got you know their investment back and um, there's you know proceeds to do all these other great things with, all Scoreboard Media wants to do is I'd like to double revenue again, and it generally works that way. And the f- the first year is going to be the hardest. But, you you know, sponsorship contracts are generally longer term. And so they sort of compound if you keep getting them and they're, they're multi-year contracts. Then by year three, four and five, you should be doing at least twice what you did in year one. And so we just want to keep, you know, just keep, keep it, it going. And also the first few months and the first year, the hardest, because a lot of times no one's seen these boards yet. We're out there raising sponsorships and the boards aren't on the wall yet. So you're using mock-ups and you're kind of selling the dream. And But in year two... 
a lot of people have been through the gym or, or out on the football field and they've seen it themselves and that's a different experience and we can bring sponsors out and show them their ad on the board um, and that's a it's a lot easier to sell when they've seen it and felt the energy that is like live high school sports I went to a football game at Elkhorn and there's a local um, ice cream restaurant shop it's called the Dairy Chef and I don't even think they were open at the time and they I actually advertise on the big jumbotron out there. And I got to tell you, the only thing that I wanted walking away from that game was a crunch cone. <laughs> and I was mad that they weren't open, that I could not go get yeah. a crunch cone. And you have to think this small, you know, dairy chef was able to speak to everybody in the stands and it totally worked. And I mean, I'm from, I work at Scorevision, right? And I'm very familiar <laughs> with what digital advertising is supposed to do. Mm -hmm. and, and it, it worked on it you. It totally worked on me. <laughs> yeah. And you could go, that, that same entrepreneur could go a step further and say, um, you know, maybe look under your seat. And if you have, if there's a blue dot, you come in for a free Charlie, ice cream. that's or, brilliant. I know, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, and or you could say, again, I, I'm sort of a proponent of the QR code because it promotes interactivity between the audience and the board. But I would say, like, put a QR code up and say, um, 10 random people will get a $20 gift card. And but in doing so, you'll collect email addresses from hundreds of people. When what is that worth to a business in town who now has a organic email list of a few hundred or maybe a thousand people? And so, you know, I, again, I think you can always take it like one step further and, and make sure that you're sort of ensuring that ROI. But I it works. That. You're right. Like people should want to go to that restaurant after the game. I mean, if I were a restaurant, I would run a post game special and you know get 10 bucks off or whatever it is and watch people come there after the game everyone's looking for something to do at that point yeah it's amazing to me when marketing and advertising work like it it will blow your mind how much it's actually influenced you and you just don't even really realize it until you walk away from it or like the moments where you're like oh my gosh that was such a weird ad like who would do that and it's like well you watched it didn't you so yeah. like it kind of worked and you're not going to forget it because you thought it was strange so I mean, there's a lot of power there from a brand standpoint, but it's also just really exciting to know that things are moving in, in a progressive way for sports where you're able to have this new plethora of um, technologies that you can utilize to then generate that revenue. So I think it's really ex an exciting time for sports as well. It's not just on the brand side. Yeah, I mean, it works from a branding standpoint. There's a reason everyone knows about the golden arches and you can identify like the Coke logo, you know, from like the age of two probably. But it can work from a merchandising standpoint too. Like make people do something right away. Give make a, give them a compelling reason to act and watch them come through your doors. And if we can do that for our sponsors, they'll be sponsors forever. Right. All right. Well, I think that's all we have time for today, but thank you guys so much again for joining us. I know that this is going to be great information moving forward for a lot of these ADs that are out here kind of navigating this weird world that we're living in. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me.